resorts, homes and a newly built hospital have been washed away. No electricity, nothing whatsoever. We need to be prepared for the future. I'm just holding on for dear life here. This isn't fun. Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared. Plan this time before disaster strike. Every natural disaster gets worse. What happens when something goes wrong and how do they respond to it? And make sure everyone's safety comes first. Save what for dream. You must ready. Clearing roads, restoring critical infrastructure. Eventually, I know it's going to hit. It's only a matter of time. Helping your community. Helping your family. Helping you. Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared. Hello and welcome to Pacific Prepared. I'm Fred Hooper. We've got a great team of reporters who are on the ground chatting to you, and the stories we bring you could help you, your family, and your community prepare for natural disasters. The weather and how it affects you is already part of your life. So let's keep talking about being prepared. On today's show, this person has a very important job, but also, is it the best job in the world? I get to visit uh, this uh, group of islands week in and week out, and meeting the locals, enjoying the fish, enjoying the white sandy beaches. You'll hear more about Nem's role and how he helps the locals to prepare for disasters. Also, we'll hear from a young person in Tonga and get their thoughts on climate change and natural disasters. And we'll revisit a story from earlier this year in Palau, when the Our Oceans Conference was held. Basically anything and everything to do with the oceans in the Pacific. That's all coming up. This is Pacific Prepared. What's your plan? Are you ready to leave your home? Plan now before disaster strikes. Pacific Prepared. Imagine if your job was travelling island to island, white sandy beaches, visiting villages, eating meals together. It sounds pretty good, right? Well, I think it is, but there's also a serious side to this role. Namani Taro Taro is the assistant Rocco Tuibar for the Bar District in Western Fiji, which also takes in the Asaba Islands, and most of the travel around that area is done by boat. Um, uh, my name is uh, Nemani Tarotaro, and I am the assistant Rokotumba, currently looking after this whole group of islands. I think I've said this to you before, but you might have the best job in the world, right? Uh, something of that sort. It, uh, it's one of the best jobs in the world. Uh, I get to visit uh, this uh, group of islands week in and week out, and meeting the locals, enjoying the fish, enjoying the white sandy beaches. Uh, OK, OK. <laughs> but it, it is fantastic, though, what you get to do. Yeah, it's fantastic. And I get to uh, meet a lot of people, but uh, the responsibilities in it is very huge. Mm. Uh, I have to look after the, the local group of, uh, of people, the indigenous group. Uh, so I have to cover 27 villages, which comes uh, under five districts. So it's a, it's a huge task. Yeah. Uh, because I have to sometimes do island hopping, getting off at one particular island and moving down. Most of the time I'm moving down. It's hard for me to come up. Uh, it's easier for me to start off at the top, northern uh, uh, end of the island, then move down. Okay. How do you manage or maintain your sort of relationship with the community while still having a, an official hat on as well? Because like, you go into the communities like we did the last couple of days, into a small village or a couple of small villages and you will do all of the kind of organising and arranging of things that happen. Um, 
you know, you're sort of well within the community, but then you also are there as, a, as an official too, uh, in some senses. The post which I'm currently holding it's, uh, is uh, something like a traditional, uh, it's, a, it's something like a marginal man. Uh, I'm half modern and half traditional. Mm. So people have a lot of respect uh, of my post and the provincial office as well. And the Itoki Affairs Board itself, because it's a particularly an organization that looks after the indigenous group. So whenever somebody from provincial office is around, people will always make sure that they give the, that particular person the best respect and the best service they can offer because it's that person that will be speaking on behalf of them in forums. Uh, it's that person that will be taking up their queries. It's that person that will be taking up their needs to government. And uh, not only that, uh, I think the secret to a successful uh, person holding my current role is uh, you have to take yourself down. You have to spend time sitting down with the elders, uh, drinking that... Uh, uh, traditional drink, you have to be drinking grog with them for some time, sharing stories. Uh, it's like you have to earn their respect. Yeah. So whenever you come back the next time, they'll make sure that, oh, he's coming around this time again. Yeah. They'll make sure that uh, whatever you need, if you want to drink coconut, if you, you want to go swimming, uh, if you want to sit down with them, they'll leave sometime. Even though if they're busy, they'll try and have time mm. to have a seat with the provincial office. So it's fortunate for ABC Australia to invited the uh, provincial office to be part of the team in the two-day trip. Uh, it makes work easier, and we were able to get a lot of information out as well. Those seemingly small gestures of spending time with people, um, like you said, going through carver ceremonies um, and so on, that, that obviously means a lot to the locals to do that and to take the time to do that. Yeah, it has a lot of meaning to the locals. Uh, people in the village, uh, they, have the, they have their own timings. They have their own time where they have their breakfast, especially those in the islands, eh, having lunch and dinner. Uh, and for them to see that you appreciated their timings, uh, to sit down with them, uh, it's sort of a credit uh, to your job. So when you come to the islands, you can never start work in the islands at 8 o'clock. Right. You'll have to leave some time for the mothers to prepare food for the kids to go to school. Mm-hmm. So your work might start around 9 to 10. That's the time that they're free. Then you'll have to release them around 12 to 1 o'clock, taking the kids' food to school. Then you might stay, start late afternoon again at 3 o'clock when the husband has finished their lunch. They've already prepared lunch. And you should make sure that you finish off somewhere around 5 o'clock so they can go and prepare dinner. Uh, when you have the, the knowledge and uh, have those uh, uh, ideas, uh, not ideas, you have, you have that knowledge with you, uh, it brings a lot of sense to your work. You cannot, whenever you come to a particular village, especially in an island, it's always hard to push your own personal time and own personal agenda into their timetable. You'll have to learn to go with the flow. So let them finish off this, then you start off yours. That's the only way then that you will get, get the attention and you will get the message across as well. Pacific Prepared. Disaster is part of our life. Pacific Prepared. 
Pacific prepared. And recovering is also part of our life. You are listening to Pacific Prepared. <laughs> Disaster preparedness in the islands. How is that? What sort of role do you play when it comes to disaster preparations too? I mean, do islanders tell you things that they need and that they uh, particularly want and then you take that to somebody else? Or how does it kind of, what's that relationship like? Uh, when it comes to disaster, uh, looking after these 27 villages, this is uh, the most uh, cyclone-prone areas of Fiji. So any cyclone warning for the country, uh, how always comes up. So we have our disaster risk uh, reduction training or DRR training, uh, which is done uh, uh, two years ago, and we have constant reminders. Once the cyclone season starts, we keep on reminding the village admins that uh, uh, disaster is coming. Uh, you need to keep on reminding the villages that disaster is around. We are in disaster month, so it starts from uh, November to April. Uh, most of the time there's strong wind, heavy rains. Uh, it's also a good time for them to collect uh, rainwater, rainwater harvesting for their drinking. Eh? But uh, for them themselves, they, more, they know more than what, uh, than what I know regarding cyclones. It has been part of their daily lives. When, when they were young, they've been experiencing uh, disasters. So even me and myself, I learn a lot from them. So once a disaster finishes, I usually come around with other government officials doing initial damage assessment, then detailed damage assessment, uh, then come up with food rations for them. Uh, it's good that uh, most of the stakeholders, uh, hotels around uh, the South Group, they assisted these villages whenever there's a disaster. So what uh, I've uh, tried to push out to the locals is that for them to improve on their community halls and turn it into an evacuation centre. Uh, before they used to have it as, an, as a community hall. Now I want to push it out as an evacuation centre. Uh, and for them to be mindful of other things. Most of the community halls don't have washrooms. Uh, now I'm trying to, I'm encouraging them to come up with those because uh, during this time, most of them will be staying in community halls. Yeah. Is that a fine line as well, trying to kind of bring in the modern day disaster preparation or preparedness with the traditional knowledge that's there already, like without disrespecting what is already in place from village elders and, and the community there? Uh, to me and to the locals as well, uh, it's always uh, good or it's always best to have a mixer of both. You need to understand um, uh, the both contexts, the, the, the traditional one and the modern one. Uh, most of them have smartphones. Now they have a windy.com app. Uh, most of them, they still refer to looking at breadfruits. If uh, three breadfruits comes out of one branch, then four breadfruit comes out in one branch, then it tells them that a disaster is about to happen or cyclone is about to happen. Uh, if they see a certain bird flying inland, then they'll be saying that this bird is running away from strong winds in the sea. So it tells them that uh, uh, cyclone is coming. Um, for those in the islands, uh, some uh, reefs tells them that, that, a, that a, a strong, that a cyclone is coming. Uh, 
some reefs uh, that never emerges or does not show any sign on a normal day, once it shows signs of waves, it tells them that there's a disaster coming, there's a second coming. So they have their own local knowledge. And they also have uh, access to modern technology. Uh, we have two weather stations here in the SAO groups, one in Esauirara, the last village, and one in the furthest village, which is Viwa. We have two weathermen staying there full-time, 24 hours, seven days a week. These two are the ones that I get into contact with whenever there's a cyclone warning. So whenever there's a cyclone warning, before I call the village headman, I keep a tap on these two village headmen, uh, these two weathermen. What's the situation on the ground? What should I tell them? What should I tell them? They'll be telling me the best news or the best information to be said. How do you describe your job to other people when they ask you what you do? I mean, it's a pretty amazing place that you get to work in every day and come out here every week. It's pretty incredible. Uh, it's an amazing job. Um, lots of travelling, lots of people to meet, uh, lots of fresh food. Uh, and sometimes it's tiring as well. Uh, most of the time I get held up in, village, uh, in villages because of the weather. What I would say is that uh, I have mixed feeling of what the, of the job that I'm currently have. So I'm just taking it day by day. Yeah. Whenever a chance to come around, I make I fully utilize it to support the organization go. But once I have time to stay in the mainland, I just stay in the mainland and have a rest, knowing that the next trip might be might take me one week or two months or two weeks. So it varies that much. You come out here sometimes thinking you might be here for a week and you're here for two months. Yeah, I've been here for you know, our last COVID uh, operation. I stayed for 38 days living off a government ship. Of a ship? Just visiting villages for their, uh, encouraging them to take their COVID-19 vaccination. So I covered 27 villages in Esawa and four villages in Mamanuda. So it took us about 38 days to complete that operation, leaving off a ship. Namani Taro Taro, the Rocco Tuiba. Part of his job is to look after the communities in the Esawa Islands. Kind of the contact between the old and the new worlds of Fiji, as he described it. It was a terrifying night. It was shaking and getting pounded by debris. We had to make sure that they have a safe shelter and drinking water. Helping you stay safe, Pacific prepared. Something that affects everyone, no matter if you're in Vanuatu, Kiribati, Samoa or Solomon Islands, has to be the climate, especially the changes that have happened over the past 50 years or so. So I wonder what young people think of the climate, how it's changing, and natural disasters. Pacific Prepared reporter and TBC Tonga reporter Anna C.U. Falicono spoke with some young people to find out more. I would basically prepare for the disaster. Um, like uh, every random family does, we put up some, some uh, stuff on the windows to protect the windows. from, uh, And we also check on other people if they're doing okay, if we can also give a hand for them and help them, their families. I do remember. So during the eruption, um, it's basically a natural disaster. 
it was uh it was kind of shocking and a lot of students um sorry my family my family and um, the kids were really scared and but we were basically not prepared for the storm because we had no warning beforehand so we were we basically yeah it was a kind of a shock and a bit scary for most of us so the more more disasters that came we actually learned more things and more ways to be prepared beforehand not only not only after a warning but also all the time to be always prepared for for the disaster to come anytime climate change is basically um the change the frequent change in weather that is not pretty normal and um the effects it has on um is um sea level rising and pollution like the causes of it is pollution and yeah personally climate change affects me because it's basically not um because it doesn't affect me personally um it also affects the whole entire generation of Tonga the next generation which are coming up so basically all of us are basically going to disappear but then the, the kids are the one who's going to are the ones who's going who are going to face the 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 more effects of climate change such as, such as sea level rises as i mentioned before like they will be the ones who are not going to have much la- much land to stay in and and in the in the, the air and stuff will basically cause diseases I just ask people to please um stop making rubbish, stop burning plastic so that we can um be able to to take care of our land and people for the future because we need to care about our children and the people that are left to live. Disaster experiences know what to do. Pacific prepared. Earlier in 2022, Palau hosted the Our Oceans Conference. The speakers came from all over the world, some government, some non-government organisations, pretty much any interested parties when it comes to the oceans. It was basically a chance for all kinds of people from across the world to figure out the best ways to protect the health of our oceans. And governments pledge a lot of money, as you'll hear. On day one, our reporter, Janice Ruitinger from Palau went to the conference and that session was called Confronting the Ocean, Climate Crisis, moderated by Tina Stegi, who you'll hear from in a minute. This is Joe Aitaro. He's the lead on Confronting the Ocean Climate Crisis panel on a talk show that was held about a week before the Our Ocean Conference. Why he said... Ten years ago, we're at the front line. Five years ago, we're at no line. The Our Ocean Conference was held at the Palau National Gym. Once inside, you can't tell you're inside a gym. There's a big stage at the front with a giant wall screen never seen before in Palau. And more than 600 people from different governments, organizations, private sectors, institutes, 
all dressed up in suits and sitting, watching, and listening to the speakers. The topic of the ocean climate crisis, the implications of sea level rise for islands could not be more clear. The challenges are complex. As sea levels rise, impacts will collide. Infrastructure damage, flooding, salinization, and ecosystem loss will compound. In large ocean states, we are fighting to protect the lives and our right to determine our own future. And the Pacific is clear. Even as sea levels rise, present maritime zones will remain. So where is the hope? There is hope in action. Look to the people of coastal communities and large ocean states who are committed to protecting our ocean ecosystems with initiatives like the Micronesia Challenge that inspire global action. And we know that blue carbon ecosystems can be tools for mitigation and adaptation. Restoring ecosystems like mangroves can support mitigation, potentially able to store up to 0.5% of emissions. The ocean also offers renewable energy that we can harness. The UNFCCC increasingly recognizes that oceans are at a terrible risk, but they are also a part of our salvation. This is Dr. Richard W. Spinrad. He's from NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administrations in the U.S. Forty-five years ago, I started a career as an ocean scientist studying the clarity of water, and we studied the Pacific waters as the example of the purest waters in the world. But a lot's changed since then. We're seeing so much heat put into the environment. How much heat? Roughly the equivalent of a Category 5 hurricane every two seconds. That much energy for 30 years is what we've put into the system. And as a consequence, we're seeing intensified hurricanes and typhoons intensifying every decade by 8% in terms of the numbers of uh, Category 3 or higher hurricanes. We're seeing these physical effects. We're putting more energy into the system. We're also seeing the chemical and the biogeochemical effects of the consequences of greenhouse gases. We just reported that in 2021, we've seen the highest levels of methane in the atmosphere. We're seeing new records for carbon dioxide And it's also the 10th consecutive year of a more than two parts per million increase in carbon dioxide. But the solution is with us. And as you heard Secretary Kerry say at COP26 in Glasgow, we saw the solution. We saw the way to get to that vision. And it was about the ocean, and it was about addressing adaptation. Even if we got to net zero tomorrow, we still need to deal with sea level rise. Through this panel, we will develop the plans for sustainable use of the oceans. The consequence of all of this is that we need to make sure we have the science and technology. We need to make sure we have the vehicles for developing policies. And we need to have the means to plan accordingly. Because as we all know, failing to plan is planning to fail. There was also lots of pledges. We needed $100 million 
through our 500 million pound to 125 from governments all over the world. 20 million dollars or 2.5 million dollar program. There was also a musician from Tonga at the conference, Mia Kami. Her music talks about a connection to the land. A question came to her about how storytelling can help bridge a gap between elders and youth in relation to the health of the oceans. When we talk about ocean conservation and climate action, um, there's a really big calling for we need the voices of our youth, we need our young people to speak up. Storytelling itself is beautiful for this kind of thing because there's so many different forms. There's music, there's dance, there's art. We can't make a difference if we're not listening to each other. And so intergenerational conversations need to happen. And so I believe that storytelling is an excellent way to do that. And you are here as leaders. And it is your responsibility to ensure that you leave the healthiest ocean possible. I wrote this song as an anthem of hope for our region because I believe that our people are resilient. And I believe that we are here to stay. Once pristine, once untouched, once pure, all of that's no longer there anymore. Stripped down, torn apart, chipped away, piece of our hearts, yet still we breathe. I am not a scientist. Instead, I am a storyteller, like my ancestors before me. Our stories speak of ancestral connections to land, to the ocean. Who we are is in the depths of the Moana of the Debeth. In the depths of the Moana, it rises up to the surface and washes up on our shores for our future generations to discover. If we fail to protect our oceans, we are failing to preserve our people, our culture, our identity. And we are watching everything unfold. The sea levels are rising. The ocean is getting warmer. Cyclone after cyclone, more frequent, more severe. Every natural disaster gets worse for us. That's just a bit of what happened at the Our Oceans Conference in Palau earlier in 2022. Pacific Prepared is supported by the Pacific Media Assistance Scheme with funding from the Australian Government's Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade. Any views expressed do not necessarily represent those of PACMAS or the Australian Government. It's produced and distributed in partnership with Radio Australia and networks across the Pacific, including Radio New Zealand Pacific, NBC Papua New Guinea, Palau Wave Radio, K3 
Capital FM 107 Vanuatu, FBC Fiji, Samoa National Radio 2AP and TBC Tonga. Maybe you've got a story idea, a personal experience to share, a topic to cover or someone that we should meet. The easiest way to get in touch is to search for Pacific Prepared and then hit the Contact Us button. You can also listen back to the program. Just type Pacific Prepared into your search engine and you'll find us. We're also available on the ABC Listen app. My name is Fred Hooper. Please share any information that you've learned today and stay safe. This has been Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared.